Hello everyone and welcome to Philosophy, the podcast where I talk about whatever I like. Uh, today I am going to continue on some of the darker details of this painting, uh, potentially here on the right hand side so I can set those in and then I can start creating a lighter tone from the dark one that I have now. So kind of the intermediate tone and then hopefully uh, at some point soon I'll be kind of like done with the um with <laughs> the girl herself so that I can start working on the nose bit which is I think the most interesting bit of the painting in general so let's get started um so the thing that I wanted to discuss today is on the topic of black and white thinking and I've been thinking about this quite a lot recently because I think, well, no, I've been thinking about this quite a lot in my life in general. I think the first time that I kind of embraced this was I had a subject in school. Um, it was called Theory of Knowledge. If you did the IB, uh, so the International Baccalaureate, you'll probably know what um, Theory of Knowledge was. But it was basically the first time that I had exposure to legitimate um kind of philosophy. So it was a very philosophical subject and it was the first time where I got to kind of really play with my thoughts in a safe environment in the sense of um in the subject it was we it was promoted that we question our thoughts and we question our beliefs and we really went into logical thinking and the way that logical structures work and what is legitimate and not legitimate in that sense and it was just so much fun for me. But basically, this was the first time where I got a formal education in the sense of there is potentially no such thing as right and wrong. And even though we did some kind of like, you know, the classical thing, if a tree falls in a forest, do you know that it fell down and all that stuff? So there was kind of that sort of thing. But there was also a lot on the theory of kind of truth and can we ever know that something is true and where do we have enough evidence and how does logic work, etc, etc. And I thought at this stage that I had been enlightened. I thought, no, you know, there's nothing as true or false and there is nothing that is absolute and there is great areas and everything, which I genuinely do believe. I do believe this. But I thought that by just realising this and believing this in general, that would kind of mean that it translated into every core of my being and that I would behave that way. And that's not necessarily the case. And what I mean by this is that even though in theory, if asked, I would say, yes, I don't think that there is an absolute right or wrong. I don't think that the universe owes us anything. I don't think that, you know, anything is simple and there's like gray areas with, uh, you know, everything that we do and blah, 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 even though it's all good and well, and I believe these things in theory, I very often don't live under these assumptions. Very often the ways that I think and the ways that I especially behave and the ways that I especially feel don't kind of, <laughs> they're not based on these beliefs. And very annoyingly, sometimes I feel the opposite of these beliefs. I function under the assumption of the complete opposite thing. And I think black and white thinking is a very, very good example of this. And what I mean by black and white thinking, just so I define it to start with, is the very kind of strong statements, as in things like, I will never be happy. I, this always happens to me. I will always be abandoned. Uh, this person is going to leave because everyone leaves in the end. I am never going to be good enough for XYZ. I'm never going to have that. I always get treated this way. And they tend to be negative things, at least 
most of the time, or at least in my case, or at least um, when they are especially problematic. Um, so unless you have grandiose tendencies, which I mean, all of us have to some extent, but uh, most of us don't have to a huge extent. Um, these tend to be kind of the, the doubting, nagging voices in our mind when they take these absolute black and white terms can be extremely damaging. I don't know why I hadn't focused on them as much earlier. Um, and I, I, I realized I uncovered quite a lot of these very, very strong beliefs of mine, like these core beliefs um, of my own, that even though I would say, well, you know, obviously that's not true. Obviously I'm not the worst person on earth. But then um, I would very often treat myself in ways, feel about myself, make decisions or um, make actions or do actions that functioned under the assumption that I deserve the worst things in the world or that good things will never happen to me or that I'm very, very sad. So sometimes I will cry as though I'm never going to be happy. Sometimes I will behave as though um, I will not say things because I feel that no one will ever like me. Um, so these sort of behaviours function under different assumptions that are quite different to the enlightened self that I thought I had, very different to the kind of enlightened Elizabeth, who for other people can obviously just step in and say, oh, I know this isn't true. Oh, don't say that thing. Obviously, it's not true. When it comes to myself, I live as though all of these things are true in general. So I found that quite interesting because I'm... <laughs> I like to think that I'm a critical thinker for whatever that's worth, at least in the scientific sense. Like I've been scientifically educated, right? I've got to university. Um, I've learned a lot about science. I know how to read, you know, scientific studies and I've written a few myself and I, you know, I, I'm a scientifically literate girl, right? Um, why would I not be a critical thinker when it comes to myself? Um, and I find that extremely, extremely frustrating. So, um, I, I started to uncover these things a lot, especially in my conversations with my friends. Um, I think it's very easy, especially when you are not feeling well or in a bad mood, to see those texts and WhatsApp. They're so obvious because then you're kind of forced to write things down. And very often when you're texting, you're not going into that much detail. So very often um, I will get friends texts from my friends that say, you know, all every girl just leaves me or every boy just leaves me or I'm never going to find anyone. I'm never going to find a partner. I'm never going to be happy. Um, especially in, around relationships, these sort of statements tend to be really, really strong. Or um, I, I hate my job. I always hate my job. Um, or I have the worst boss. Or I am born to suffer or um, I no one ever likes me or I'm always so alone. Um, everyone leaves. I have no friends. I, oh, these sound awful. <laughs> I'm so sorry if you're listening to this. I'm sorry. I just have given a trigger warning to this, this podcast. There's going to be a lot of kind of like negative statements that I'm just saying out loud. But, you know, at, at some point in my life and still a lot of these just ring so true for me. Um, and even though when it comes to other people, they're shocking. Um, the fact that I've normalized a lot of these thoughts in my own mind make it very weird. And, and, and I've been thinking recently, well, why do I allow myself um, to have this? Like, why do, why do I allow myself to leave these kind of statements unquestioned, either when they're coming from my friends or when they're coming from myself. And when my friends say this, I was like, no, obviously this is not true. And I thought, well, why don't I do the same thing for myself? So what I mean is if a friend of mine comes to me and says, no boys like me, boys never like me. Um, what I will do in that case is kind of give that friend a the whole the long list of evidence that I have on boys who have liked her and that on boys that do like her and boys that she's turned down. So then that kind of 
helps change this strong belief of nobody likes me. Okay, here is the contrary evidence. We can kind of neutralize this thought, um, not let it be so extreme because it's probably not true. And then we can get to a baseline of loving adoration, right? Um, I don't do this for myself. Um, I kind of let myself spiral down these negative thoughts further and further and further without kind of properly questioning them. It's so much more difficult for this to, for me to do this thing for myself. I've gotten so frustrated because I've gone, why am I such a black and white thinker? Why do I think these things about myself? And why don't I question them? Why don't I do the same thing? So when I think, oh, Elizabeth, you can never do anything right. Or um, why do I even, firstly, why do I allow myself to have that thought? Um, secondly, why don't I question it immediately? And the way to do that is kind of to provide evidence for the contrary. Like actually, no, um, well, I should be banned from saying always and all the time. Genuinely, I should ban myself from doing that for a while. And I wonder if my life would actually improve. But at least in the temporary sense, while I'm in this intermediate stage of kind of um, re starting to realize this and starting to want to change it, kind of going, okay, um, let's come up with some evidence to the contrary and work on that for the time being um, and kind of go, these are some good things that I've done. It sounds so cheesy, but even just going, okay, these are some good things, successful things that I've done at my job recently. That's fine. Okay. I can see that. I'm probably not going to get fired next week. I can see that things are okay. I made a mistake. That's fine. We move. Um, so that kind of thought and that kind of behavior, I think, in the meantime, would be a good neutralizer of that very, very strong negative feeling. Um, and, but I, I don't think it's a very long-term solution in the sense of, I was then wondering, well, where does this come from? Um, where does this lack of critical thinking come from? Where does this embracing of um, very strong sentiments come from? And I think it, it does come basically from um, from a way of being raised with the belief of some things just being right and some things being wrong. And I think that's a bit problematic. I think it's it's okay for children to um to be told that there are some things that need to be black and white. Um and some things that just for their own safety and for their health needs need to be told, well, you know, you, you can't really um, you know, touch a hot stove or something like that. But in general, when it comes to moral things or when it comes to achievements, I think I need to be a bit more careful um with myself and I potentially could have been um, more careful when I was younger with how I, the the narrative that I had in my own head of things being done right or wrong, um, or of things being good or bad, because I think that's when it kind of gets muddied and dangerous. And when I've been told that, no, this is wrong, or when I said that something is wrong, I never got questioned on it. I never got told, well, you know why, or if this was right, what is right about it? Or, oh, that's not true. Let's broaden this up. It was either the, the, the shutting down of, um, if I would say something that people would disagree with, it's like, well, you know, that's not true. And we just leave it at that. Um, but it was never this promotion of kind of, um, it was never promoted to be, to think critically about this, to give counter evidence to things, to neutralize things. There was, I think, no realization. And I have very little realization around the dangers of having such strong negative or positive feelings around things and um, very little caution around the potential dangers of black and white thinking and lack of critical thinking. So, I guess what I kind of wanted to do is reopen this a bit um, and reconsider this a bit. And especially um, in the cases that I think I am so enlightened and in the cases that I think that I am such a good critical thinker, um, am I really? Because it wouldn't work for me to write in a study. Um, I wouldn't be able to get away on the basis of like one 
one observation that I made, I couldn't say that, oh, you know, this thing always happens or patients with this always, I wouldn't be able to say that. That would not be accurate. I would immediately go, well, obviously, Elizabeth, you can't say that. That's not true. You only have evidence for this case and you have so many, so much contrary evidence here and there. But when it comes to evaluating myself, I am not a scientist or at least I, if if I was a scientist, I would be, an, sorry, I had a brief interruption there because um my camera just gave up on me, but that's fine. We're back. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to But yeah, I just think that um at least myself, I'm not um scientific girl when it comes to questioning my own beliefs. And um I tend to be a very black and white thinker um in my personal life, and I tend to be a very black and white thinker, especially when it comes to um, my beliefs about myself and very heavily biased um, in a negative way towards my beliefs about myself in such a way that would be utterly unacceptable um, for me to allow my friends to think about themselves and um, also for me to kind of allow myself to think about other things. So I think I am going to be moving more towards being a bit more of, you know, science girl Elizabeth rather than um this kind of, I don't even know what to call her, um, this unreasonable black and white thinking Elizabeth in general. And the reason for that is because I think um, black and white thinking is everywhere, anything from um, kind of depressing and um, it makes your life more difficult to the point of actually being quite dangerous um, in terms of learning things and situations in which you might put yourself in life. And I've been thinking about this a bit recently because um, on one end, I think I I kind of delved into this already a bit, but um, the thought of having this being completely inadequate and unable to change that um, is, of course, a very difficult kind of starting point um, for, from which to improve or to feel good about yourself. If, if if you genuinely hold that belief or if you function under that belief, it of course makes um, makes it very difficult to have a healthy uh, perce- perception of oneself and that could have devastating effects on uh, your mood, devastating effects on your self-esteem, devastating effects on um, the opportunities that you might take or not take or the self-sabotage that you might do um, or just you know, in, in, in general, your experience of being alive uh, would be very negatively influenced by having um, this very, very difficult, rigid and negative view of oneself or of the things that one has done or of situations in general. So um, having kind of pausing uh, my own thoughts when they become like, oh, Elizabeth, of course you messed up like always, um, kind of not allowing myself to say that or not allowing myself to believe that or taking the time whenever that thought pops into my mind and go, well, actually, no, that, that, that's not true. That, that, that's just not true. Like, okay, this was a potentially a poor decision, but that's not true. Um, and kind of catching myself, um, immediate when I think these things could make my experience of life think better in general. And, um, the, the, the place where I think this can potentially be even dangerous is I think in the lessons that we learn, um, in our interactions with other people. And what I mean by this is that very often um, when we review things like, okay, I'm going to use a romantic relationship example. Um, Let's say we um, kind of end something in a romantic relationship and we're discussing it with our friends and it's very, very easy um, to go into, let's say a friend of yours has broken up with someone and they've been very not nice 
towards her. They've, they've, they've said things that were not good. Um, they've been quite what you would consider awful. Um, and they've been kind of inconsiderate and hurtful and um, just not, yep, yeah, just done various bad things. Um, it's very, very easy if this person is a friend of yours or someone you, or someone you care about um, to kind of go in and say, you know, obviously um, that person is in the wrong and they are absolutely awful. I'm so happy that relationship is over. They are terrible. They are the worst. They are a narcissist. They are um, psychotic. They're psychopathic. They, um, they just damaged you so badly. Everything about them is terrible. I'm so sorry you were caught up in that situation. And you know, you definitely didn't deserve this. And this was just terrible. And they are the scum of the earth. You are um, like, I'm so, so sorry. I'm here to help you. Now, this situation might have actually happened. I know it's happened for me. Um, it might have happened for you too, where you've been in this situation and you're trying to support someone by saying it's not their fault. And it may actually, genuinely, my point is not to say that it's someone's fault. Like if, if we take the worst case scenario that, um, you know, it's not their fault, they did nothing wrong um, and someone has behaved very, very badly and, you know, done terrible things to them or caused them a lot of distress and um, they've made no mistakes. It's not healthy to actually have this black and white thinking and to go, um, this wasn't your fault at all. And they were just like a terrible, terrible person. That's not healthy. And the reason for that is that it kind of stems your growth and it puts you in a, in a dangerous position where you might end up in the same situation again, because you haven't learned anything from this. And this doesn't have to do with self-reflection. This has to do purely with the other person. We're not even focusing on like mistakes that we've made in the situation. We're focusing on the other person because by creating this black and white image of someone who is awful, someone who is inconsiderate, someone who is terrible, um, we start to think that this is why they did those things. They have no redeeming qualities. They're absolutely horrendous. And, you know, I just need to look out for people who are this bad. You know, this is my learning. My learning objective here is that I just need to not go for people who are so terrible, who have nothing good in them. But that's probably not true. The reason that your friend might have gotten into a relationship with this person to start with is because they did have good qualities. They did have nice things about them. And despite those things, they might have done something terrible. So I think it's good to keep this like balanced view and not say they are the worst person on earth. They're just awful. There's nothing good about them. Why? Like don't miss them. There's literally nothing to miss. They treated you so badly. They're the worst person. But to kind of go, well, you know, clearly they had some good things about them, which is what you liked about them, which is the reason that you got with this person to start with. But they also seem to be not very nice in these other ways. And this is why we're staying away because that leads to a balanced view of one, forgiving yourself for being in that situation to start with. And two, of being able to realize that people are not black and white and situations are often not black and white. And um, good people can do awful things and awful people can do nice things. And if we have this balanced view, then in the future, if we run into someone who is potentially kind of like not very nice or doing terrible things, um, but has nice sides to them too. We can go, oh, this is like the situations I've been in before. I can make kind of a assessment of whether the good outweighs the bad or whether this is good enough for me to stay in it, um, et cetera, et cetera, rather than running into someone who does something terrible and thinking, well, um, you know, they they did these nice things. Therefore, they can't be like my ex who was all bad. They must be a good person. And that's not necessarily the case. And therefore, it's not a good perspective to have. So I think there's very little benefit to having black and white thinking in general. And I think that I would potentially benefit a lot more from um, having this more sort of like balanced view um, when it comes to life, a lot less black and white thinking in general, and uh, because it might protect me um, in the future. And it also adds a lot more colour to life. Um, it adds a lot of more colour in the grain zone of going, you know, 
good people do bad things. Bad people do good things. Um, it's a balance of everything. And I'm also a good and a bad person. Um, I'm not a terrible person. I'm not the worst person. Um, I mean, I could be, but it would be so unlikely that I am the worst person that was ever born. Um, might be the case, you know, that someone has to be, I guess, if we measure by some metrics, but it's so unlikely probabilistically for that to be me. So I think just let's not think that way, shall we? Like when I have these thoughts of, oh, I'm going to be alone forever or, oh, no one's ever going to like me or, oh no, if I put out this video, it's going to be the worst thing that ever happened. This is going to be the worst podcast. Um, I'm going to be the worst medical student when I return. I am going to have no friends and my future is such a mess and I have nothing organized and everything is going to go terribly. Is that actually likely? Like, statistically and probabilistically is that likely and because the answer 99% of the time is a strong no I think I need to not allow myself to be unscientific in the way that I approach my own mind but to be just as critical um and just as kind of like observational and um and balanced and objective and science seeking and evidence seeking and um kind of scientific as I would be in you know a project that I need to send in for school um and arguably my own mind is much more important than that and yet I tend to treat it in um a much much worse way and give it I've spent more time analyzing data um on like scientific studies than I have spent analyzing the data that I use to draw conclusions about who I am as a person and my value as a person, which is absolutely devastatingly tragic. That should not be the case. I should be focusing a lot more on who I am as a person and especially unraveling um, these sort of negative thoughts that might be driving some of my self-worth and some of my core beliefs. So yeah, um, I mean, this is a long journey. It's a long journey for me um, in terms of like unraveling my core beliefs. And I'm still kind of exploring what they are because I don't know a lot of them. And um, I'm actually potentially going to make a video for my main channel on how I kind of explore my core beliefs and how I challenge them and how I work on them. Um, but this also feels like a very safe space <laughs> or like actually a much safer space to kind of discuss and go in depth on these things too. So yeah, um, hope that was kind of something that you resonated with or actually no hope that was something that you didn't resonate with um for a change i think this this season of the podcast is starting a bit gloomy so i hope i hope you don't resonate with these things to be honest i hope that you don't feel the need to listen to me now and listen to me to the end and actually you have uh, very little of these problems because they're not that great <laughs> they're not that fun um but yeah, I think I'm going to wrap this episode here. Um, thank you so much for spending this time with me. If you did, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Be kind to yourself and others and believe everything you think. Thanks. Bye.